0: in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plantstock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there.
1: My grandfather died suddenly of a heart attack when he was playing tennis in his early 60s. Um, my father He died suddenly of a heart attack in his late 50s. And I previously had thought that that was my genetic destiny. I know that your dad talks a lot about, you know, uh, being able to avoid that genetic destiny, you know, the lifestyle um, and the gun and the trigger analogy. You know, he says it's important that, now what is it, the genetics load the gun and the lifestyle pulls the trigger. Well, that's what your dad says. And that's what I finally began to realize is that after just a month, of eating this this way, I had finally managed to achieve normal lipid levels. And another thing I noticed personally was that when I would previously get a lot of knee aches when I ran, that disappeared. I never, I've never had that again.
0: Season three of the Plant Strong podcast explores those Galileo moments where you seek to understand the real truth. Around your health and dare to see the world through a different lens. This season, we honor those courageous seekers who are paving the way for you and me. So grab your telescope, point it towards your future, and let's get Plant Strong together. Hello, everyone. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. Today on the show, we zoom our way across the pond to talk to a true plant-based gem, Dr. Gemma Newman. Gemma is a senior partner in a family medical practice in the UK and author of the new book, The Plant Power Doctor, A Simple Prescription for a Healthier You. What I love about this conversation is hearing Dr. Newman's honest personal journey and how she came to her own aha moment. Like many of us, She was stuck in all of the popular diet wars and tried them all to get rid of the weight she had gained during medical school. However, even though she was the doctor in the family, it was her husband's marathon training that ultimately changed the course of Gemma's life and medical practice forever. Today, she is passionate about plant-based nutrition, holistic health, and lifestyle medicine. In fact, it is the most powerful instrument in her medical toolbox we dig into some of the highlights of her new book the plant power doctor and we even talk a little harry and megan gossip and british slang along the way please welcome the delightful and wonderful dr Gemma newman okay welcome to the plant strong podcast as you know this is season three i have got somebody that's across the pond that I wanna uh, introduce you to uh, today. Her name is Dr. Gemma Newman. She is a GP, which means general practitioner. So she like does family medicine. And she has come highly recommended uh, by several different sources to be on the podcast. You know who I was just talking to a couple of days ago, Gemma, was Derek Sarnow, who couldn't say more great things about you.
1: Oh, Uh, I love Derek. Yeah, yeah. So
0: do we. So do we. He's fantastic. But I'd love to talk to you today about yourself, about this wonderful new book, The Plant Power Doctor, a simple prescription for a healthier you.
1: I'm glad you got your copy. Have you had a chance to look at it yet?
0: Oh my gosh. It is drop dead gorgeous. The photography, the different colored pages, the information, you really did an outstanding job. Nicely done.
1: Thank you. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That's very kind. Thank you. you. It's very obvious you put a lot of time and energy into that book. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) It took a long time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: quite quite (laughs) hard to make something both visually appealing and scientific and accessible and practical. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you did it. You you absolutely. Yeah. You hit a grand slam. So in season three, what we're really doing is we're focusing in on people that have discovered a Galileo moment that helped guide them towards plant-based nutrition. And so in reading your book, I know what those are, but I'd love to for you to share them with the audience. And let's start, if we may, let's start with how to me, it's interesting. You didn't stumble upon this because of an article that you read in the, in the scientific literature, it was because of your husband who's not even, not even in the medical field. So what happened there?
1: Well, you know what people say anytime that you don't know anything, they say, aren't you supposed to be a doctor? (laughs) Um, So yes, my husband, who's not a medic, he was the one that opened my eyes to the benefits of plant-based nutrition. Um, I'll never forget it because he was training for a, completing the London marathon and he was really excited about it. He wanted to do a good job and he kept on getting injured. He kept on getting inflammation in his joints and he was getting really frustrated. And I said, why don't you try looking at your technique? Why don't you, you know, change your trainers, or whatever your sneakers. <laughs> um, and um, he tried everything. Well, at least he thought he had. And then he thought to himself, well, how is it that some of these guys out there can run Ultra marathons, they can run, you know, 10 marathons in one go, what are they doing that's different from what I'm doing? And so he read Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra, yeah, and yeah, he read Brendan yeah. Brazier's book. And I, he, I don't know Brendan Brazier, but I know that he did help Hugh Jackman get really ripped for being Wolverine. right. Um, right. And um, he, uh, Scott Durex, born to run, and he thought, hang on, they're all, they're all completely plant-based. So I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna see if that helps me get a better result. And I was very skeptical. I thought to myself, well, he's bound to have some sort of nutritional deficiency. What about protein? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what about um, you know, all the things that a lot of people understandably might think, because that's the society in which we've all grown up in um but most of all I was worried about what our friends might think because that's so funny
0: (laughs) oh my gosh I'm worried about what the Smiths and Jones might think of this
1: well it's true I'm a bit of a social butterfly I love seeing people (laughs) and I thought I'll never get invited to our friend's houses again I will think what is this how do I cook you a meal um but anyway I watched and I was so curious and Uh. he did incredibly well so he transitioned to a fully whole foods plant-based diet. His inflammation melted away and he was able to do his marathon training runs without any problems. He would run a marathon and then come back and look after the kids for the rest of the day. And I was thinking, what's happened here? He's really made huge improvements in his running.
0: Yeah, I can, um, get, I can get behind this and watching the kids. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's so full of energy. Um, and um, yeah, it was amazing. The next London Marathon he did, he managed to run it an hour and 10 minutes faster than his first attempt. And I was completely blown away. I thought, wow, this, this stuff really works. And I wanted to know why. And that was the beginning of some of the research that I did around antioxidants and inflammation, around sporting recovery. But of course, I'm not really focused on athletes personally, I'm focused on my patients. Mm. I want to see results for the people I look after. I want to see results for the people that are dying of heart disease and cancer, suffering from autoimmune diseases, hormonal imbalances, skin problems. That's what I was interested in. And what fascinated me was that plant-based approaches, I began to realize, can be applied to many different illnesses, many different ailments, and they can improve or, in some cases, even reverse some of those ailments. And so, for me, that was when the penny dropped. I was very excited
0: well, I can't. I, 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 I can't imagine, and 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 again, you're you haven't actually seen it yet with your patients, right? But I can't imagine as somebody in your position that all of a sudden you find what in in some regards I think is almost the silver bullet that can address autoimmune, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and it almost seems way too good to be true. But I'll let you go. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it does seem way too good to be true and i don't you know i've i've come across other medics other healthcare professionals other dietitians and nutritionists who you know are naturally skeptical as yeah. i was because it does seem really too good to be true and i don't also want to sell this as a complete panacea because you know you and i both know that many people will still suffer from chronic diseases despite the best of diets but it's still something that we should know about. It's still something that can really help a lot of people. So yeah, I decided that I would give it a go uh, myself. And um, I'd done enough research. And and Interestingly, I had already done a lot of research into the environmental science side of things. So I knew that from an environmental perspective, it was probably a really good idea to go more plant-based or, you know, certainly consider a vegan lifestyle but it was something that i just felt seemed a bit too extreme a bit too difficult i just you know my my preconceptions would stop me from that point
0: and then what would the well, neighbor na- what would the neighbors think
1: i know what, what about my friends you know I, you know
0: yeah can't forget that so, well by, you know, by the by the way what in the world is going on with megan and harry right now i mean is it is it the
1: talk of the town oh my god it's the talk of Oh I don't know certainly the talk of the UK <laughs> I don't know what it's doing in America but my goodness Well yeah, supposedly, it's on everybody's mind I think Yeah
0: they were on Oprah the other day I didn't I haven't seen it but I hear it was kind of shocking some of the information that that she was sharing <laughs>
1: You know what? It was it was a very interesting interview. I actually decided in a complete um, departure from my normal content. I did an impromptu Instagram live yesterday discussing my thoughts about the Harry and Meghan interview, What um, sexism, racism. you know the storytelling that we do in the media, and you know human instincts and where we go from here. It was a whole big spiel that I could talk to you about for a long time. So I probably maybe advise people to go to my Instagram page if they want to know my thoughts about that. Um, but yes. yeah, it's definitely something that's of of interest. Certainly okay. Okay. In well, UK. fantastic.
0: Thank you. Maybe we'll have to have you on again for a um, another <laughs> an, an, another little uh, episode on. Um, What's going on at the palace?
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, as I say, I, I did a, a whole half an hour chat about it. So it's something I've got a lot of interest in. Yeah. Yeah. I think perspectives on, but ultimately I think we have to lead with kindness. That's yeah. what I think, whatever people are saying to be true. I think we have to believe them because we can't walk in someone else's shoes until we really have walked in their shoes. So, mm. you know, that's, that's my ultimate conclusion. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, now what, what, you distracted me. Man. I know, I, was, I know, I, was, I know. I I know. <laughs> and,
0: I, and I did that. I, I did that on purpose, but I can tell you exactly where you were and where you were going. So what we were talking, we were talking about you, and you were saying how you you knew the benefits from an environmental standpoint, right, and sustainability, but it just seemed a little too extreme. And then what would Sarah and Barb think, right? Your your best friends, (laughs) so
1: (laughs) Sarah and Barb, they might not have been happy. So (laughs) yeah, Um, and I think that's important to acknowledge because lots of people have psychological barriers to change. Yeah. It's very common, it, you know. We we care about about what people think. We care about um, making life um, pleasurable, making life easy. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to make changes. So I think that's a really interesting thing to acknowledge. Um, and certainly was one of the main reasons why I hadn't decided to go down that route until then. But I did it, and I found it much easier than I expected to, and I didn't tell anybody. Um, I think you know, a lot of people advise you you know to seek support from your loved ones and accountability and I just did it by myself. I thought I don't want to lose face if i <laughs> if I try this and I can't do it, then nobody's uh, no one's the wiser. so yeah. I decided to just give it a go. And I felt good, and I didn't find it difficult. I was generally healthy at the time, so I didn't notice any dramatic differences in my health. But what I did find, something that's really pivotal, perhaps certainly to this conversation, as well as you know, my life moving forwards, is that I had finally managed to get a normal lipid profile in my blood test. Uh-huh. I have a family history of high cholesterol And my grandfather died suddenly of a heart attack when he was playing tennis in his early 60s. Um, My father, he died suddenly of a heart attack in his late 50s. And I previously had thought that that was my genetic destiny. I know that your dad talks a lot about, you know, uh, being able to avoid that genetic destiny. You know, the lifestyle um, and the gun and the trigger analogy. You know, he says it's important that, now what is it, the genetics load the gun and the lifestyle pulls the trigger. Yeah. Well, that's what your dad says. And that's what I finally began to realize is that after just a month of eating this this way, I had finally managed to achieve normal lipid levels. And another thing I noticed personally was that when I would previously get a lot of knee aches when I ran, mm. that disappeared. I never, I've never had that again. And I would personally put that down to my plant-based diet. That is an anecdote. That's my personal experience. But luckily, there is a lot of evidence in the literature to corroborate what I've discovered. And, you know, in a sense, I do like to share my story because it's part of how I got there. And it's part of that moment. But what's really exciting to me is how it can change the lives of my patients. Because that's where the real magic happens. It is. when... When people's lives are changed for the better and they can take that control of their health, that is just, well, it's the very well, best thing.
0: And it's why you signed up for this profession, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know it sounds corny, but most people do become doctors because they want to help people and i was the same i that's yeah. what i wanted to do you know and i i went through all the training i was so enthusiastic and i thought i was going to change the world and save lives every day yeah. and you know it doesn't always work out that way you know you do your best with the tools that you're given but ultimately my toolbox was half empty and i over the years, I've been able to luckily fill it with all sorts of things around holistic medicine, lifestyle medicine, of course, plant-based nutrition. I learned about psychological techniques, motivational interviewing, solution-focused therapeutic approaches, cognitive behavioral therapy. And I wanted to be able to use some of these tools to help my patients to make the changes that they wanted to make in their lives. And so this was a very magical moment for me.
0: Yeah. What? And give me an idea of this time frame. What year are we in right now when you're oh, you're gosh. like starting to embrace about, this
1: probably only about five years ago Uh huh.
0: okay so yeah and, and and there was one patient that kind of got the ball rolling for you and uh he came in with some seriously elevated blood pressure was in jeopardy of losing his job can you can you tell us about that patient and what happened
1: oh of course yeah i'd love to he's uh <laughs> he's a great guy so you know, he, he turned up for his appointment. And, and I should let people know just for context. I work as a senior partner at an NHS GP surgery. So that NHS stands for National Health Service. So mm. it's a government run service. Anybody can join from any background. They don't pay. It's all free healthcare. And so I've got nearly 3,000 patients and I never know who's going to show up and what the problem's going to be. Mm. And it could be anything. Um, you know, I see everything from cradle to grave. So it's a little bit different from the US. I think that people will see a pediatrician with their child. People yeah. will see a gynecologist, you know, for example. They see, whereas here, they all see somebody like me, um, which is a slightly different way of doing things. But are anyway, you, are, so... So
0: can I ask you this? Are you... Um, how are you incentivized? Are you on a salary? Do you make money by the patients you see? How does that work?
1: Yes. So we are paid um, by the government, um, which is proportional to the patient list size. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a flat rate based on the amount of patients that are registered at your surgery. Okay. And there are, there are additional financial incentives for you know, documenting certain healthcare parameters, but the main bulk of it is essentially based on numbers. Yeah. And so it's interesting because sometimes you have more work if you have a larger elderly population, population that are living in care homes, residential homes, things like that. So it doesn't always work out, but that's essentially how yeah. it goes. I
0: just was wondering if, if over there in the UK you're incentivized at all to keep your patients well. Right with this kind of preventative medicine?
1: In a sense, we are. Um, so the downside to the way the system works is that we've got a very limited amount of time with each patient, only 10 minutes per appointment, which is not enough to <laughs> be able to necessarily create really lasting change. But the upside is that if you have a decent um uh, long-term position, you're able to see patients time and again over the years, which is a nice way of keep checking in, helping them with accountability, learning about them a bit more, learning about exactly where they live, you know who their family is, what their job is, which are all really relevant to their future health. Um, so there are definitely upsides and downsides, but yeah, it's it's not easy in terms of t- in terms of timing, but I think there is an incentive yeah. to keeping people well because the government pays for a lot of the provision so for example drug companies can't um directly come to the doctor and Mm. say you need to use our product none of the none of the products are advertised on tv Mm. Uh, there's none of that because the government has to procure contracts with pharmaceutical companies and the pharmaceutical companies have a natural incentive to give the government the best price for their product because the government wants to save money on the provision
0: nice Okay so yeah. this gentleman this ge- <laughs> anyway. gentleman with his with his blood pressure.
1: Yeah so he he walked in and he sat down and he looked at me turned to me and he said I've been sent home from work and I've been told I'm not allowed to go back. And it sounded so dramatic. I turned to him and I said what happened? And I didn't know what he was going to say. And he said well they did an on the spot medical. Um, I, I had to do it. There was no option. They just said, right, we're doing some on the spot medicals. My blood pressure was really high and they told me that they were going to revoke my license. Um, just as a, I should have told you this part at the beginning. Yeah. He's a driver. He was a driver at, um, at the airport. Mm. And so for him, it was crucial to be able to keep his license because that was a major part of his job. And they told him, right, we're taking your license. You're not allowed to come back to work until you've got the blood pressure under control and you've had a medical to prove it. And then you can consider applying for your license again. And so he was absolutely desperate. He was, you know, he looked like he was about to you know, yeah. go into tears. And so <clears throat> I said, well, what do you want to do about it? He said, well, I want to just get this dealt with as quickly as possible. And I said, well, normally what we would do is prescribe at least three, three hypertension medications um to get you into the normal range because his was really high it was like 180 over 100 millimeters of mercury it should be around about 120 over 80 if you're if you're one normal and he said what i don't want to be on three medications for the rest of my life i said well that's what that's the only option unless you want to change your lifestyle in a a dramatic dramatic way he said well i'll do anything doctor i'll do anything i said really (laughs) (laughs) and then he's a south african man really fond of his meat Um, And I said, well, are you prepared to do a trial of a completely whole foods, plant-based diet and see what happens? He said, I I said, I'm willing to let you do this as long as you come back to me and, you know, you can agree that we'll start the medications if this doesn't work for you. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll do anything. So I gave him some very brief instructions. I told him to look on, on the Internet for some specific information and I sent him off and he came back to me and it was less than two weeks. It was within I think it was around 10 days or so. He came back and he said right i've been doing it i've been amazing every day i gave him specific advice about bits and pieces that he might want to try including things like flax seeds and hibiscus tea there's a few small trials here and there so i thought well let's just put it all on him and uh incredibly he'd been able to bring his blood pressure down to 120 over 80 completely without medication and my jaw dropped I honestly did not expect to see such a dramatic result for this man. Right,
0: right. Well, probably especially in that short a period of time. Right, It was
1: unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, since right. then, I've obviously helped lots of patients, and they don't right. always have such a dramatic shift. Um, but my first one was clearly very powerful for my psyche because I thought, <laughs> wow, you know, this really can make a big, big difference. And I thought it must've been some mistake. I just couldn't believe it. So I got him to come back. I I tested it three times, three different occasions before doing the medical, which again was normal. And he was able to go back to work. He was able to continue his job and he was absolutely thrilled. And then of course he became the biggest advocate for uh, the power of plants.
0: I get emails every day asking, where are the Engine 2 Plant Strong products? I haven't seen them, it's like they've disappeared. Please know, the past 12 months have been a big and exciting transition for us at Engine 2 Plan Strong. Engine 2 Foods had a 10 year run as an exclusive brand that was owned and operated by whole food market stores. And now we have been awarded the incredible opportunity to rebrand and relaunch these products, both direct to consumer and back through retail channels. As a podcast listener, I want you to be the first to know when these new and improved Plant Strong products are available. If you want to be notified, text the word FOODS, F O O D S, to 77174, and we'll add you to the VIP list for early access. We have a couple of our heritage products available on our website, including the crowd favorite, our stone baked, 100% whole grain oil-free pizza crusts. These currently come in a kit with perfectly portioned pizza sauce packets. Together with your favorite toppings, you'll have a delicious wholesome dinner on the table in less than 12 minutes. Visit PlantStrongFoods.com for all the details, and again, if you want to be first in line when the new products are ready, text FOODS to 77174. I can't wait for you to see what's up next. you have a, a, a bunch of wonderful quotes in the book. Like one of the ones you start off the book with is, it's by Archbishop Desmond Tutu, where you say, or he says, there comes a time when we need to stop pulling people out of the water. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And, and, and that to me was, you know, for you, such a pivotal moment in seeing, wow, you know what? All these people are just falling in the water. We got to go upstream. And this is the answer. So I want to start with this. What is your definition of a a whole food plant-based diet as opposed to like veganism?
1: So uh, veganism is um, a lifestyle where you're really emphasizing minimizing harm to animals um, and the environment as well. So when you're thinking about veganism, it's very much a value system-based um, lifestyle. And so it would include not just what you put on your plate, but the things that you choose to wear, the products that you choose to use. Yeah. And you want to just make sure that there is um, as little harm as is practically possible to animals. So in theory, if you're living a vegan lifestyle, you can eat pretty much anything you want as long as it's not derived from animals, which right. would include, you know, you um, Fried foods and donuts and biscuits and cakes and crisps and you know chips, <laughs> yeah. uh, all the things. Yeah. Um, whereas a whole foods, plant based lifestyle is where you emphasise um, fruits, vegetables, whole grains and legumes, herbs and spices, nuts and seeds. Those will be the absolute cornerstone of your diet, and it doesn't specify what you do with the rest of your lifestyle. Um, One thing that they do have in common is that they they tend to um, avoid animal products. Mm. Um, And when I talk about whole food plant-based, I am essentially referring to a lifestyle where you don't use animal products. Having said that, the research does show that for most people, a predominantly plant-focused diet is probably something that people can benefit from. And there's a number of different dietary styles that you can use. Where some animal products are included, but that's not what I mean when I talk about a whole food plant based diet.
0: Right. And one of the things as a physician that you are trying to curb more than anything is inflammation, right? And especially this chronic inflammation. Why is a whole food plant based diet so good at at curbing inflammation? And what are some of the products that promote inflammation?
1: Yeah, um, the reason whole foods plant-based is so useful is because it's a diet where you're absolutely maximizing the foods that give you every kind of nutrient without giving you things that may make you less healthy. So you've got phytonutrients, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, insoluble fiber, soluble fiber. Um, You've got the whole package. You've got every micronutrient and macronutrient pretty much. There's a couple of caveats there. but. What you're doing is you're providing your body with these antioxidant-rich foods. Now, every single metabolic process that we have involves some level of oxidation. Um, and if we imagine those little um, – in the process of creating energy within our cells, free radicals are produced, which are tiny little you know, oxygen molecules that just bounce around the cell like a pin in a pinball machine. And that can cause damage within the cell. If you want to minimize the damage, then you have to soothe that little free radical oxygen species. And you do that by providing a negatively charged electron, which calms it right down and helps to reduce any inflammation. And of course, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about foods that contain antioxidants. Mm. They are literally electron donators. They sweep in, they soothe any of that inflammation, they calm down that free radical, and they allow the cells to function normally. Now, you can't stop that process from happening. It's a natural part of living. But luckily, with these healthy foods, we can counteract some of the damage that's done, and um, it definitely is good for a number of different metabolic processes. But that's one of the main things that it's helpful for.
0: Yeah. I think it's fair to say that the one of the underlying causes of the constellation of all these chronic Western diseases that we've been talking about is inflammation and you, mm. you, you curb and you get rid of that inflammation and that's when I think the healing can occur.
1: Yes, you're right. And I think it's also worth mentioning that when you're eating foods that contain um You know, very processed, oily foods, um, fried foods, animal products. What you're doing is you're providing foods that have the opposite effect, mm, and yeah. an excess of omega three, uh, omega six fatty acids, an excess of saturated fats, and that can then counteract some of the benefits. Now, luckily, you know you can eat more plants and get a little bit of uh, sort of a counterbalance. But ultimately, if you're going to be doing things. Um, to the best of your ability, then it kind of makes sense to eat more plants.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned fats, saturated fat there. You know, there's, there's, there's so much confusion right now going on. I, spe- I don't know how it's, it's like in the UK, but here in the States, you know, it's like paleo and keto and these saturated fats that seem to be like part of the lifeblood of their program. But I think it's fair to say that the science really doesn't support that. So, can you talk for a second about fats and saturated fats versus um, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats?
1: Yes. Um, so, I suppose you're right. I think uh, paleo and keto and low carb—they're all uh, very popular ways of eating, and you know, I I really. Aim to be respectful to people and the results that they get when they when they follow a specific dietary regimen. I don't. I never want to negate their personal experiences, but you're absolutely right when you say that the majority of the evidence points towards um, saturated fat being harmful. You know, Cochrane reviews. I, you look at all of these systematic reviews and um, meta-analysis of randomised control trials. A lot of the data will point towards. Saturated fat having a very strong link to heart disease. And so, you know, when you're looking at that, and you have to take a step back. I think this is the problem is that quite often Mm -hmm. there are so many ways to bulk, shred, lose weight, gain weight. um, And you can feel good using a number of different strategies. But when you're thinking about long term health, that's where you want to really use the data to your advantage. And so, you know, when you can see that in every single kind of Data set plants are good for you,
0: yeah.
1: and um, saturated fats are linked to chronic disease. Then we have to pay attention. Um, and you know, yes, I, again, I, I'm not saying that these aren't useful for some people in certain circumstances, but it's not something that I would comfortably ever endorse because of the long term risks involved. There's a lot of data to say that. Plant proteins are far healthier in the long term than animal proteins in terms of your um, chance of living a longer, healthier life. Um, And the same is true, you know, thinking about things like keto. I know that there are certain medical reasons why somebody might need a ketogenic diet, for example, if they have intractable epilepsy. But there are big potential risks and complications with that. You know, pancreatitis, um, early onset heart disease, um, seizures. I think, you know, there's even a couple of case reports of very early death. And these were all linked with the the way that the, the child and then adult had to live based on their diagnosis so i think it's really it's really tricky when you when i hear uh, medical professionals talk about things like keto mm-hmm. because to me it seems as though yes there may be some short term benefits but when you look at the data i would worry about the veracity of, of recommending those kinds of diets because you know the proof is in the plants
0: <laughs> it is so will you let people know how by eating whole plant-based foods, which is your simple prescription, right, for a, for a, healthy, uh, a healthier you, that they are going to be getting all the healthy essential fatty acids that they need?
1: The data does seem to support that, but I will give you a caveat because when we're talking about omega-3 fatty acids, we know that um, the ones that are the most bioavailable, uh, the long-chain omega-3 fatty acids, they're used by the brain, they're used by the heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the data suggests that, you know… some people are not so good at converting plant sources of omega-3s to the long-chain version. So flax seeds are amazing, chia seeds, hemp seeds, walnuts. These are all the things that we can enjoy an abundance of and get some really healthy omega-3 fatty acids. But if we're having a lot of omega-6 fatty acids, um, then they compete with the omega-3s for the receptors in our body. So you're not going to necessarily be able to use them if we're eating other things that are high in omega 6s like oily foods and junk foods and you know other animal products so i think it's important to be mindful am i maximizing my omega 3s flax seeds, chia seeds hemp seeds walnuts and think about an algae oil supplement we don't have the data to say that algae oil supplements are essential
0: so just so just, me- just for the audience because of your beautiful accent you're saying an algae an algae supplement yes
1: Yes. algae yes yes Yes.
0: okay okay
1: okay (laughs) so we call it algae over here i know algae
0: algae and fibre. or you know you 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 spell fiber (laughs) f-i-b-r-e and uh what else uh heme or heme iron is spelled like h-a-e-m it's it's crazy
1: (laughs) yeah we have quite different spelling sorry so algae yeah um (laughs) We, you know, we know that there are many societies that have lived very healthily, um, vegetarian, without using fish, um, especially South Asian populations. So we know that it's definitely possible to maximize brain health and heart health without fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that when we also see that there's a lot of research saying that omega-3 fatty acids are really beneficial, then I think it makes sense to at least err on the side of caution, especially for children, for elderly, and for pregnant women, why not take an algae oil supplement just to be on the safe side until we know more, until there's more research available.
0: Yeah. I want to talk now for a second about carcinogens that help promote cancer. And one of the things you talk about in your book that I know people aren't going to be hear- want to hear, especially your, your good neighbors, Barb and Herb, um, <laughs> is, is alcohol, around alcohol. But you're you're very very clear and concise here that that we got to be super careful with alcohol. Can you uh, address that first?
1: Yeah, I mean there are a number of there are a number of population studies, the Global Burden of Disease study. Uh, essentially, no amount of alcohol is 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 healthy for us, according to those studies. Yeah. Um, which is disappointing news because obviously many of us enjoy a tipple every now and then. Um, a tipple? Did you say a tipple? Yeah.
0: Okay. I never heard that word. It's like T I P P L E, tipple. Yeah. Tipple. Wow. 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 It's very, very close to nipple, but okay. <laughs> tipple.
1: Well, many people enjoy nipples every now and then as well. So, you yes, know. Yes. Who, who am I to judge? Um, <laughs> uh, right. Where was I? Right, well, tipple. You've tipple, me again. tipple.
0: They have a tipple. Yeah,
1: that's right. So, carcinogens. Um, The problem we have with alcohol is that it contains acetaldehyde, basically. So when you, when you consume it, it's impossible to avoid acetaldehyde and it metabolizes as soon as you put the alcohol onto your tongue. Mm. So there's no way of avoiding it. And it's, it's a known carcinogen. Um, which is difficult because for many of us, you know, alcohol is an important part of celebrations, traditions, uh, and all sorts of things. So I do think it's worth being aware that if you want to enjoy alcohol, then do, but just be aware that it does have its downsides. And some people as well have issues with alcohol generally in terms of you know i know there's many people that just don't seem to be able to tolerate it physiologically or psychologically um and in those in those people as well i would say it's best avoided but everybody's different um but most people don't necessarily realize that link people get oh if i drink too much i might get liver cancer or liver failure but it's actually much more subtle than that there are cancer risks uh, that many people are unaware of and that are unfortunately unavoidable and i know you know trying to create a balanced argument there are polyphenols in red wine but to be honest with you you probably get more of them from eating red grapes (laughs) yeah
0: yeah exactly (laughs) what about so let's talk about some other um carcinogens what happens when you cook meat uh you get uh, hcas and you also get polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons can you address that for a sec (laughs)
1: it sounds like you already know what happens.
0: (laughs) Well, I do. I do. But but, you know, you're 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 the star of the show today.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Uh, Yes. When we cook meat, unfortunately, these carcinogenic compounds are generated such as HCAs, as you so eloquently said. And the problem with those is it's impossible to avoid them Mm. uh, whenever you're cooking meat. Barbecued meat is probably the worst culprit in terms of producing these cancer-forming compounds, but even when you are gently boiling meat, you still produce them to a lesser extent. So it's worth knowing that especially. And of course, it's also about processed meat. Many of your viewers and listeners will know that the World Health Organization classes processed meat as a class one carcinogen, which means that we know it's cancer-causing especially for colon cancer so pepperoni pastrami you know salami ham sausages all that kind of stuff is it's definitely cancer causing yeah. and red meat is probably cancer causing so it's a, it's a class 2 carcinogen the world cancer research fund tells us that fruits vegetables whole grains and legumes are the absolute cornerstone of a cancer preventing diet yeah. so when you put all of this together it just makes sense to eat more plants
0: yeah yeah it does what about let's let's step into you? You have a nice chapter in your book on hormones and health. I don't know if you want to start with you know IGF one uh, or something like that, but love for you to just kind of dive in where you where you think you want to.
1: Well, I think that hormonal health is a forgotten area of wellness when it comes to nutrition. Um, I know it's it's relevant for men in terms of things like sperm counts, and we can perhaps come on to that in a minute. But uh, I think for women, it's particularly relevant because many of us suffer from period pains, endometriosis, mm-hmm. um, fibroids, horrific menopausal symptoms. And it's interesting to note that uh, there's a lot of data to suggest that all of these things could be improved using plant-based nutrition approaches. And many women don't realize that I see many, many women struggling every month with period pains, uh, undiagnosed endometriosis, um, severe fibroids, and they have no idea that plants could help them with these things. So that's something I'm actually really passionate about. Um, and IGF-1 is one of the um, links to cancer, we we know. Um, uh, and so that's, that's relevant for cancer, but it is also relevant for our hormones. And polycystic ovaries as well. So many women suffer from polycystic ovaries, uh, which is mediated by insulin resistance, much like type 2 diabetes. And there is also there a connection with IGF-1. There are more IGF-1 receptors. In fact, women that have um, PCOS also have more um, receptors for HCAs you mentioned in the meat the, you know, the carcinogenic compounds. And so there is an increased risk of long-term um, disease from that perspective as well. And so I think that it's almost done a disservice to women to not be told about some of these amazing benefits of plants. And why does that happen? Um, well, let's take period pains, for example, if I may. That's a reasonable no, place to... start.
0: please. You wouldn't believe how many women we have that are listening right now that are between the ages of probably... Thirty and fifty. So yes,
1: well, that's a good. That's a good place to start. So, you know, when we have our period, it's natural for the womb lining to shed once a month. Prostaglandins help with that process. These are these are s- uh, substances that are produced inside the womb lining to help contract the womb to help the blood to come out. But the problem is when we are eating sources of food that increase the prostaglandins in the womb lining, then we get a lot more bleeding um, and potentially a lot more pain and contraction. So it's interesting to note that when you have foods that are rich in fiber, um, fruits and vegetables, whole grains and legumes, you're getting less prostaglandin production at the womb lining, which means that your periods hopefully will be much less painful and less heavy which I think is a, is a huge thing for women to know. It mm. really is, because some women suffer so terribly. Um, and to know that you could potentially have uh, normal periods that have much less pain and heaviness is is, is a really amazing well, thing.
0: And that sounds like a total game changer. And it's one of the things that happened with uh, one of your patients, Shelly, whose story you yeah. sh- you you share in the book.
1: Yeah. Oh, Shelly was – she's just amazing. Yeah. And she's one of these – Poor Shelley is in the perimenopause. So you haven't stopped your periods. Uh, and in fact, they've become heavier and more frequent and more painful. Yeah. And she had the hot flushes and she was having the exhaustion and she was having the insomnia, sleepless nights, puffy eyes. You know, she, she came to me. She was absolutely desperate. And this woman had tried what she thought was a healthy lifestyle. You know, she thought she tried everything. Many people do. Um, But, you know, when I explained to her some of the benefits of plant-based nutrition, she was skeptical. She thought, well, that sounds okay, but that's not something I would do. And, And I said to her, well, why don't we give it a try? I told her about the benefits of minimally processed soy products for helping with hormonal symptoms. I explained about the importance of fiber. Fiber is crucial to stop you from recycling unwanted estrogen. So, what happens in our gut is is that unwanted hormones are put into our poo for us to poop out. And when we become constipated, we actually reabsorb some of those hormones, which increases ah, our exposure to unwanted hormones, unwanted estrogen. I've
0: never heard that before. That's fascinating. Another reason why you want to be as regular as a Swiss commuter train. Okay.
1: Very important <laughs> to be regular because you are pooping out toxins and unwanted hormones and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So- are constipated, it's not a good idea for hormonal health. I explained to her, you know, how... fiber was so important for that. And, you know, she had been constipated as well. So, you know, we got to the point where she came back to me and she honestly looked like a different woman. She said that her friends had said to her, what's happened? You look amazing. Um, she was sleeping better. She was pooping better. Her periods were lighter. Um, they, they had gone back to being monthly. Her wow. hot flushes had gone. She had less puffiness around her face Her friend said she looked 10 years younger. They asked her if she'd had Botox. (laughs) She said no. Uh, She was so happy. I think she probably lost about 11 pounds in weight as well. That was an unintentional side effect of her change of lifestyle. And she was absolutely over the moon. Wow. So, yeah.
0: That is powerful. Another powerful thing is the before and after photo of you that's in this book.
1: What it what it was for me with plant based nutrition, it was a way of feeling vitality. Yeah, and you know, I I did include the before and after photograph, and in a way, I was reluctant to do that because I didn't want I didn't want people to embrace plant based nutrition just for weight loss, because I found in my practice that that if you're only doing it to lose weight, especially when you're a young female and you've got all these other Um, societal expectations on you to look a certain way, then it can become problematic in your psychology around food. And I didn't want for women to feel that way. But having said that, as you can see, there was a big difference um, over the years in how I looked. And just to be completely transparent, I also lost weight using low-carb diets many years previous. Um, So you can still get aesthetic results, like you see guys in the gym looking really muscly, looking really fit and healthy, but then they go on the treadmill and then they drop dead of a heart attack because inside things were really different.
0: Or as you said in your book, you were able to lose the weight doing the low carb, high protein thing, but then your lipid panel was absolutely atrocious.
1: Exactly. and, 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 and,
0: And reflected the saturated fat all the cholesterol that you've been consuming and all the other things that that you know that to me were just putting you on the road to where you were following your grandfather and your father which was not good not good at all and also
1: no exactly you you're completely right and you know and also there's um, like many families have got uh, cancer in my family as well. And I think every one of us can think of people who have these chronic diseases that can be mediated through diet and certainly potentially prevented as well. So that is, I suppose, the main point. I hope that the before and after photograph is inspiring, but I don't want it to be like, oh, I'm going to do this so I can just be skinny because I think that's not, I'd love it to be a side effect. I'd love it to be, you know, I'm embracing this amazingly healthy life. These are all the things I'm going to gain. And if I lose a few pounds in the process, then that's cool.
0: Exactly right. It's a nice byproduct of getting healthy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: let, let's. I'd, I'd love for you to touch just for a second because there's so much confusion out there, and we get so many questions from um, from our community about rising estrogen levels and soy being the devil. And you just talked about how I think it was Shelley. Actually, you you actually prescribed to her doing some whole, you know, kind of as close to grown soy products as possible once a day. So can you talk about soy and estrogen and that relationship?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good one that there's a lot of confusion over. Um, so soy is actually really great for hormonal health. Um, soy products in their minimally processed form, they are actually what we call selective estrogen receptor modulators or CIRMs. Um We would call them SOMs. <laughs> <laughs> because we, we spell it with an O for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, but anyway, selective estrogen receptor modulators serms. So what they do is they can actually bind to the receptors that we find most useful. So for example, there are estrogen receptors in the bone, beta estrogen receptors, and those are the ones that the soy tends to prefer. And there are alpha estrogen receptors in the womb and in the breasts, and they are generally not preferring those. So When you think about how your body uses food products, what actually happens is Your body uses it to strengthen the bone and to reduce your risk of breast cancer and uterine, you know, and uh, reproductive organ cancers. And it's actually the completely opposite to what you might expect. People see the word phytoestrogen and they get really worried that that means they're going to grow, you know, man boobs or whatever it might be. But phyto meaning plant and estrogen, obviously meaning estrogen, is a very different beast to mammalian equivalent estrogen. Mm. So when you are, let's take an example, if you're drinking a milkshake that's made from cow's milk, you're going to be getting a huge amount of bioequivalent estrogen because that cow was most likely pregnant and she was definitely lactating to produce the milk. And of course, her estrogen levels would be high. And you're drinking The product of her estrogen levels. So, you know, there's no question that when you have dairy versus soy milk, there's, there's, there's really no comparison in terms of the amount of estrogen that you'll, that you will actually be getting and how your body uses it is also very different. So I do want to make that point. Um, Women in countries such as Japan who've traditionally had a dairy minimal diet and have had a soy maximal diet, like they tend to have things like miso paste and edamame beans and tofu and tempeh. These women generally don't suffer from menopausal symptoms. They they may not even necessarily have a word for it in Japanese, um, which I found really interesting. Um, So I think it's just quite helpful to understand that there are a lot of different ways in which our bodies are um, not only exposed to estrogen, but also estrogen stimulators, uh, which has nothing to do with soy products. So you know, certain plastic products actually mimic the effects of estrogen in our bodies and could potentially increase cancer risk. Things you know, like the phytates, for example, um, that that may be contained in plastics that we drink from, like plastic bottles, plastic containers that we have our food from. We heat them up in the microwave. The plastics then leach out and into the food. We leave a hot, we leave a bottle of plastic wa- water bottle out in the sun. The sun heats the plastic; it leaches into our water. We're drinking it. We're eating it. We're drinking and eating those microplastics, which are hormone mimickers. And they have hormonal effects on our body. So if you're worried about soy, try to worry about your your plastic water bottle um, and your your cow's milk instead.
0: Exactly. Let's redirect our focus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Almost like the last half of your book, not quite, maybe the last third, is beautiful recipes, gorgeous food. How did you come up with so many wonderful recipes?
1: Uh, it took a lot of work. Um, I had the help of friends who a plant-based chef as well. She gave me some ideas. I wanted to come up with recipes that I use at home, but also that people will find easy comfort foods, foods that people will understand and be able to look for in the shops. Um, what I think sometimes... People find difficult when they first transition is that they don't always know where to find certain ingredients. It all seems a little bit exotic or a bit different. Whereas I wanted, I mean, some of the recipes may not be that familiar to an American audience because they're quite a lot of them are British comfort foods. Well, Mac
0: and Cash surely is. We all all know Mac and Cash. We love it. (laughs) Love it, love it, love it. Yeah.
1: yeah, that one is such a great comfort food, isn't it? And, mm. you know, for me, curry is a great comfort food as well. So I've got, you know, my, one of my favorite curry recipes in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was about finding recipes that were comfort foods uh, that you could easily sort of switch to if you had certain favorites that you go to. Um, it was for people who tend to want, you know, meat and two veg and it's to help them to think, OK, well, what could I have instead and that's what it's for.
0: Yeah. And you, do you have children?
1: I do. I have two sons. Um, they are getting older now. One's nine and one's six.
0: Oh, that, that doesn't sound too old. That sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like they're in their prime. I've got a seven, 11 and 13 year old. So I am kind of oh. right there with you. It's a great age. And, yeah. and how are they? Are they into this plant strong lifestyle that you're doing?
1: They are into it. They, they, we are all plant strong in our household. Um, my oldest son is particularly into it because he was um, he was one of the first people in our household to make the connection between the chicken that we eat on our plate and the, where it comes from. Wow. So he has a very strong ethical stance that he doesn't want to eat animals because that's something that he really connected with when, from a very young age. Yeah. Um, which I think is a lovely sort of another lovely route to enjoying a plant strong lifestyle. Um, I took him to a local farm and we were, we were collecting eggs and he said, where does the chicken come from mummy? He was very young. And I said, Oh, well, it comes from the muscles, you know, the, the muscle of the chicken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was asking me how we get it. And I, I wasn't prepared for this conversation he was talking about, oh, you know, how does the chicken die and how do, how does it get killed? And he was so, um, he was really taking it in and understanding it for the first time. And I said to him, look, if you don't want to eat chickens, you don't have to. And he said, I don't want to eat chickens. Mm-hmm. I said, fine, mm-hmm. you don't have to do that. So, you know, that was an interesting turning point for him. So he's he took ownership of that and it helped him then feel excited about our plant strong life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Our children are so amazing. <laughs> they, are, they are so amazing and they teach us every day. They really yeah.
1: do. Yeah, it's that wonderful, fresh perspective. They, yeah. they haven't yet had all the conditioning of yeah. life. <laughs>
0: no. Well, I just, I want you to know what a lovely time I've had meeting you, Gemma. And, and you are just such a wealth of information. Your book, The Plant Power Doctor... Is absolutely, it's gorgeous. It's informative. You lay it out in such a simple, uh, understandable way. You got a lot to be proud of there, and I can't wait to have you back so we can dive into like 15 other subjects that you talk about in uh, in in this in this book.
1: I would absolutely love to come back. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You've really pumped me up with the plant strong ethos. And, yeah. you know, I'm really excited to talk about any other topic that you wish about the book. And there's plenty that we could deep dive into. I so would love
0: it. Thank you. Thank you. And, 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 and keep, keep doing all your great work there, um, saving lives in slow motion, which is what, what you're going yes. for there. Saving (laughs) lives in slow motion. Go, Dr. Gemma, go.
1: Thank you. Oh, I love that you remember my phrase. Oh,
0: yeah. Let's do this. Ready? Follow me. Peace. Peace. Turn it around. Engine two. Engine two. And then hit me up. Plant strong.
1: Plant strong.
0: All right. (laughs) I'll see you next time.
1: Bye, Rip.
0: There's no doubt this is the beginning of many appearances to come for Gemma. Her energy is contagious, and I think you'll agree her knowledge of the body and of the body of research is unparalleled. We'll share the link to purchase her book in the show notes for this episode at planstrongpodcast.com. It's undeniable that medical practices both here and in the UK are burdened with so much competing information, lack of time, and a fast-paced fix-it-now society but with doctors like Gemma Numa fighting for long-term health and vitality, we are on the right path, and we hope you'll stay right here with us. Next week, <laughs> I'm chatting it up with my sister, Jane Esselstyn. Of course, many of you are aware of her fabulous cooking and YouTube channel with my mother, Anne Kryle Esselstyn. But Jane is also a longtime registered nurse, and when she's not working on new recipes and projects, She teaches sex education to middle schoolers. Next week, we dish about sexual health, the importance of communication with your partner, and how, just like everything else, a healthy sex life is built upon healthy habits. Plus, we asked our community to share questions they wanted answered and were too afraid to ask. Don't miss it. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Plan Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. Have you had your own Galileo moment that you'd like to share? What happened when you stepped into the arena and shed the beliefs that you thought to be true. I'd love to hear about it. Visit plantstrongpodcast.com to submit your story and to learn more about today's guests and sponsors. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kortowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.